Hey everybody, John Ramstead here with Sandra Crawford Williamson, and uh, today we have a podcast for you. Every one of us needs to grow our organization, develop better relationships, and uh, we have Phil M. Jones on today, and I heard Phil speak um, at the National Speaker Association Conference, and it was the best um presentation I'd ever seen on sales and I've been in sales and so have you Sandra for you know our whole life um so a little background on Phil uh he's he's made it his life's work he's a young man from from Britain but to 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 study success and language and demystify the entire sales process reframe what it means to sell and then help the people he works with and his audiences actually learn new skills or take skills that you already have that to empower their confidence, overcome fears and instantaneously impact their results is what he writes. Now here's the cool thing is he actually delivers that. Um, he has three books, exactly what to say, exactly how to sell and exactly where to start. And we cover some of these. He's, he's not what I would call a typical, sales expert uh sandra he i would say that he completely is in alignment with just our worldview about faith humanity relationships and serving others don't you think absolutely because what he says about sales is it's not about talking someone into doing something it's about helping someone make the decision that you know they need to make or would already make so it's it's really about listening and um, and and helping someone along the way, and I just I love this, and I love his content because it's it's good for everybody. I mean, it's of course it's going to help a salesperson who's already having good results. It's going to help someone who's maybe in sales for the first time and a little bit nervous. Um, but it's great for just everyday life, whether it's you know with your children or your spouse or. You know, your kid's teacher or the person at the grocery store. I mean, whatever it is, it's all about really just deepening relationships and and understanding where someone's coming from and what they're looking for, what their goals are. Um, and, and I mean, how cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. And, you know, one of the things um, Phil does uh, for all of us, right, he is – uh, he just wants to give away and give away this content and it is so practical, so actionable. So everybody go to, you know, eternalleadership.com, uh, or, or facebook.com forward slash eternal leadership. You'll see the post and we're going to have a whole bunch of links, uh, to just some incredible, probably some of the best free content, uh, that Phil's offering to our audience just to help you guys out. Right, Sandra? Absolutely. And, you know, please share this. If you're listening right now, please share this. Send this to a friend who, you know, maybe has a new job or send this to someone who is working on deepening relationships. Send this to someone, you know, your your manager or someone who's a new manager in your organization. I mean, this stuff is just so practical for day-to-day life. Um, and his books are wonderful. He has different books out. Um, you can get on Amazon. You can go to his website, and it'll, it'll tell you about all his books. You can decide which one to get first. And then um, I have his app. He has a great app with tons of free content there. Uh, and, and he's got a great uh, blog with all sorts of wonderful information. So he's really, really generous in, in, con- in his content. I mean, he really does want to just help people. So, you know, go find all this information and share it with people. Go comment on our Facebook post and tag your friends. Um, you know, let's really get this out to, to millions of people. All right, guys, with that, here's our interview with Phil Jones. Today on Eternal Leadership, we have Phil Jones. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here, John. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm so glad you could make it. Um, I got back from the National Speaker Association Conference in Baltimore, and and Sandra, I called you. I said, man, there was just an amazing uh, gentleman who spoke on on sales, right? But it was more about, it, it, it wasn't just about sales, actually. It was about language and mindset and actually how do we connect the stuff that we're, that's important to us in our world um, to somebody else, whether we have a point of view, an opinion, a product, good or service, whatever happens to be. And as we know, Phil, all of us would love to probably be doing more work more often with the people that we love to work with, don't we? 
Right, absolutely. Definitely more of the right kind of work with the right kind of people being paid the right kind of money, leaving enough time for fun too, right? Yes, you want to do all of it. So question for you. Um, you know, your life is it's built into what you're doing now. You've written some incredible books. And I just want to say right at the top, uh, the book that you gave me that I read exactly what to say, the magic words for influence and impact was absolute was outstanding, by the way. Um, yes. And you know, what led you to this? I would call you like you are a serious student of just of not only language but human behavior and how people interact and and what what led to all this this passion that you have I, I guess I've been naturally curious my whole entire life with the belief that if somebody else can do it can somebody else be me and I got given a great piece of advice early on in my career that was success leaves clues Mm. And being in a leadership role from my early teens and then a, then a kind of senior management role at the age of 18, very quickly I faced a lot of resistance in those leadership roles. So I learned that what I had to do was I had to earn my respect from performing well in the tasks that I was asking other people to be able to do as part of my teams. And one of the things that I learned is often the difference between, say, you and people like you isn't your skill, your knowledge, your hard work and your endeavor. Sometimes the difference between you and people like you is knowing exactly what to say, when to say and how to make it count. I learned that word choices mattered as much as the other stuff, if not sometimes more so, and started to study the success language of the people that were crushing it. And started to see what could I do to reverse engineer out of that. So not only could I find success for myself, but I could help teach blueprints to other people so they could go on and achieve something like the same. And I've just been passionately studying it ever since. Well, I love that term, success leaves clues. But you also made a choice um, to go and actually look at other people that were, that were doing really well and study it. And, you know, as you did that, what did you learn? I mean, I learned so much stuff, but what I learned probably more than anything is that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the very moment that you're saying it. And in a business context, so many of our conversations are repetitive, yet what we do is we find ourselves in a remarkable number of repetitive and predictable situations, and then in those moments, find ourselves lost for words, yes. which for me is utterly stupid. Like, if you know something is going to happen... Wouldn't it make sense that you get ready, ready, ready for that thing? And people do it with their written word in their business. You know, they'll have templated Word documents. They'll have brochures and pamphlets and web pages and PDFs to be able to support various parts of their process. But when it comes to written word, uh, spoken word, people don't put anywhere near the same level of emphasis in it. Yet perhaps it's our conversations that we have that we have the chance to move the needle more than we do than in any written piece of text. Yeah, that's a good point. It's what I call for myself delayed intelligence. <laughs> you know, one of those moments where like it was awkward or you didn't know what to say next and it kind of it didn't go where you wanted it to go. And then you're driving home going, darn it, I wish I would. Why didn't I say this? And now it's just like so simple. But you know what? What you're talking about is actually what if we almost pre-experience think about some of those situations actually before they happen so you don't feel like a knucklehead afterwards. Well, yeah, there's absolutely that. And then the other thing to consider, though, is when you're in a conversation, there's a lot more that you can do to be able to steer a conversation. The biggest mistake that people make is when they're asked a question, they think they're obligated to give an answer. And that, for me, is still mind-blowing, is that what happens is, mm. particularly in a business context, client or prospects ask the a question of you as the service provider, and your immediate thought is, I know this one. Like, I know the answer to this one. So you then launch into answer mode, trying to educate the other person with your level of education about your product, your service, your expertise, and more often than not, you confuse them in their decision-making process. What hmm. our job is in the world of sales is to assist the other person's decision-making process. And nine conversations out of 10, through my experience, actually make the other person's decision-making process harder. We start adding in unnecessary information. We start being able to take it off down a tangent. We start providing data points that were of absolutely no use to the other person and make it harder. And I think an important lesson that I'd love everybody to learn listening in right now is the person who's in control of the conversation is the one who is asking the questions, not the one who is answering them. And we can have so much more influence, make less mistakes if what we're doing is that we are providing more questions to steer a conversation than we are giving advice or information to demonstrate our awesomeness. 
You know, I think part of what you're talking about, I mean, can help people in every conversation, whether it's with your kids, your kid's teacher or your business or your neighbor that you're trying to convince to go in halves on a new fence. Right. Right. But what, what's the first step? I mean, I have a background in marketing and sales and I always tell people that the hardest part is the assessment. So, you know, your audience and you know how they're going to process the information. How do you counsel and teach and train your people to sort of, you know, know what the other person needs? Okay. Well, I think firstly, there's a mindset and a belief point here is, is, is that prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. And we would feel that, wouldn't we? If we went into a doctor's surgery and the doctor said to you, look, you've got to try these new pills. Pharmaceutical rep was in yesterday. They're brilliant. Take two a day. You could do things you could only dream of. You'd feel a little dubious about taking said pills. But when a doctor sits down, understands your symptoms, maybe asks a few questions, runs a test or two, and then explains to you these pills are the right course of action, you do entirely as you're told. What selling is, is earning the right to make a recommendation. What that means is that you should never, ever, 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 ever invite somebody to take a step or do something unless you can say these words first. And the words that you should look to say first are the words because of the fact that you said. So because of the fact that you said that what you'd like to do is to have more privacy and maybe have a solid boundary between our two properties, it's for those reasons I recommend that what we do is we put up a new fence. And because of the fact that you said that you're not in a position to be able to pay for this in its entirety on its own, I was thinking that maybe what we might look to do is to go halves on it. But what we do is we make the thing the other person's idea and we present our solution in the form of a favor to the other person because we understand their challenges, their obstacles, their predicament, which means that what we need to be if we want to be better salespeople is we need to become more curious. We need to be able to look to say, let's truly understand their situation, show empathy towards their precise predicament, and then present solutions towards saying, I've got a solution that's better than anything you could have thought of by yourself. Right. Yeah. And it's funny what you said about as a salesperson, your job is really to facilitate the person in making the decision they need to make. I know I'm paraphrasing, but my husband has said that for years, you know, don't sell someone a product they don't need or want. Just help them figure out which one they want. And if it's not yours, then that's okay. It's okay. you're, You're building credibility for the next time. And I think there's a giant myth that probably wants to be busted down a little here as well. And I, and I find it remarkably frustrating that people say they're so good that he could sell ice to an Eskimo or sand to the Arabs or those kind of phrases get thrown around like that's a good thing. Like in 2018 and on, if you're an Eskimo and you bought ice, how do you feel tomorrow? Manipulate. Right. Yeah, you feel manipulated, you feel ridiculous, you're getting a hard time from your family, you've wasted resource on what other things could have been done, you bought something that fundamentally you didn't need, you have no application for. That for me isn't success. We live in a world right now where the person needs to wake up tomorrow after making a buying decision, feeling just as good about that decision as they did in the moment that they purchased it, if not better. And that means that we do need to earn our right to make a recommendation to be there the next day. And the shift in mindset on this for anybody who's looking to sell anything is don't view the finish line as the day you make the sale. Too many people get excited about closing and they say, right, okay, yeah, I closed the sale, I banked the check, I secured the contract, whatever it is they might be. If you view that as the finish line, the pressure, particularly for people who don't like to sell, is too much. If you move the finish line to the day that you achieve the outcome that you talked about in the investigation phase of the conversation, then what starts to happen is the transaction is just a part of that journey. An example I try to use here is, you know, if you're in the wedding dress business, the most important day to you in that business isn't the day that the bride leaves with the dress. It isn't the day they swipe the credit card. It's the fact that that dress performs on the day where it really matters. And if it doesn't perform on the day it matters, the price, the style, the fit, everything else is irrelevant. The build quality, etc. it only matters as how it performs on that day. And if you can get it to perform well on the day and the bride is happy on that day, you've done the job. But that's the finish line for the sales is did it look good in the photos? Did she feel good in it in the day? And that's a very different approach for people 
Because when, like you said, when you're focusing in, in I, I call it commission breath, right? When I'm trying to get the, when I'm trying to just get that sale or that swipe, I see that as the end goal. My yep. posture, my body language, my words are very different. And I think people intuitively start responding to that and just build a barrier. Because it's like any department store you've ever been into and somebody walks up to you and says, can I help you? My my Damn. answer is always, no, I'm good. But it's a stupid question. Yeah. It, it, because because what they're saying is, you look to me like you have no idea what you're doing here. You have no idea what you – like like – they are almost calling you stupid from the get-go. Why companies teach people to ask the question, can I help you? It still beats me. Like, I, I want to play with people when they ask that question and, and respond in certain ways. It's like, you know, can I help you? Well, I was hoping you could actually. I could do with some financial advice towards this or, you know, there's a fence that needs painting in my yard if you don't mind coming around on Thursday next week. That's the kind of help I need. <laughs> like, like it's a silly question and i think that comes back round to the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it mm -hmm. almost every business has questions they know they're going to be asked without no without like any doubt in their mind like every business in the land is going to get an email inquiry that comes through somewhere like a few hundred times a year a phone call where the question that is asked is somewhere like a few hundred times a year in a face-to-face -face networking event, they get asked a question somewhere like a few hundred times a year, yet still in that moment, they don't think, what is my response for this? In, 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 mm. in, and I would, I would love to circle back because it, it was actually really helpful to me. You said uh, last time we spoke, uh, and you said it today, is about assisting them in the decision-making process. Yeah, and, and I think this feeds in with mindset because what you made me realize is because I do executive coaching, I work with leaders and corporations. I have been through this process many, many, many times. I know what their concerns and questions and outcomes and, but they've never been through the process, right? right. They, so hiring a, a coach or making a decision for whatever it is to hire somebody to do your IT work or or to build a fence, right? Um, you're not the expert. The each one of the people listening here were an expert somewhere. And could you talk a little bit about how to take that, I guess, awareness of you being an expert and not only what you do, but the process to work with you and then get that outcome can really mm -hmm. help you with the conversation and the words and your presence? Well, experts are consultative in their very nature. Yeah. You know, the thing that defines somebody as an expert is the ability for them to be able to show understanding of that person's situation to a greater level than the person themselves. Now, you have to earn that respect. Now, if you were an expert in the tailoring business, say, of making a men's suit, somebody might walk through the door and instantaneously you'd look at that person and think navy blue, single buttoned, single breasted, white shirt, blue tie, boom, this guy's going to look great. That they could have that instant viewpoint to say, that's what I think is going to look right on this person. But they still need to go through the dance. The dance is, is you know, you know, what are you looking for a suit for? How long are you looking for it to last? How many times might you wear it? What are you looking for it to be able to deliver for you? Like, like there's a dozen questions that need to sit there for the person to be able to say, okay, well, because of the fact that you said you want this to last a long time, we'd probably look for something that has a high, you know, man-made fiber mix in it. Because of the fact that you're looking for this to be able to slim down your waist and not like, you know, we want it to be single button and narrowed in and double vented on the back. Like all the reasons need to have a reason that talks towards the other person so you got to get the other person to say stuff in the world of executive coaching you have to understand their motivation now motivation is a word that is massively overused in the world of business and very few people truly understand where it means the word motivation itself splits out after the first v the etymology of it the first part of the word motivation comes from the latin word metavus modern day translation is the word motive the Asian part of the word derived from the word that we know is action. So if somebody had a motive, that would in turn mean that they had a reason. And if somebody's to take action, it's going to means they're going to move or they're going to do something. So the word motivation itself means reason to move. Mm -hmm. If you cannot find somebody's reason to move, you have no right to advise them to move. It's move for what? Good point. So in a, le in a leadership role, you know, it, 
they might be looking to be able to get more out of their team, but why? But why? But why? But why? But why? Well, if they get more out of their team, then what may well happen is that they can drive them better sales results, which means they can spend more time at home with their loved ones, which means that what they can do is connect further with their daughter, which means that what they can do is be there for the play, which means that what they can do is get involved in the community projects, which means that. So if we push and we push and we push, what we can actually do is tie those things together. But quite literally, if you don't know why you're doing something, then why are you doing it? Um, so there needs to be those kind of purposes and things. And what an expert should get to is the real reason. Yeah. And then be able to say, well, now that I understand your real reason, <laughs> and now that I understand where you're at, and I understand the constraints that exist about where you're at, and I know where you want to go, now what I can do is give you my best recommendation of how we can get from point A to point Z. That's lovely. And, and you know, it's interesting because then what you're really doing is you're helping the person. You're not really selling them something for your own personal gain. You're, you're really helping them with their own thought process. Absolutely. And, and, and if you do well at this and you get paid well for it, then the money starts to become the silent applause of a job well done. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and money's a funny thing to wrap your head around, particularly as a salesperson, too, is that, you know, if you're not convinced, you cannot convince. If you do not believe with absolute certainty the sum of money you're asking the other person to impart for the service or product that you're asking is worth it and some, never expect anybody else to believe it. So sometimes that first transaction that needs to happen needs to be on you. I was um, doing a high school graduation speech about 10 days ago back in the UK. And one of the comments out from one of the students was about the world of soccer. And I used to work in professional soccer, commercial side for a while. And people would say, I can't believe he's paid that much money per week. There's no way he's worth it. Mm. I had to catch that conversation and say, you do realize he's absolutely worth it. Because the revenue that was generated as a result of that acquisition of that individual being paid that sum of money a week was four to five times that amount in gate receipts, shirt sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People are very rarely paid more than they're worth for any sustained period of time. And we're all paid by the value we bring to an hour, not the hour itself. So what more and more people need to have an understanding of is, is what it is they're really selling. And is that thing worth it? And take the world of coaching, take the world of business growth, take the world of leadership. There are some people that charge like, like the same money that somebody might pay for a haircut and there are some people that charge the same money that somebody would charge for a, you know, for a business class airfare. Yeah. For an hour of their time. Um, which one's better? It's the one that yeah. drives the result best. And if you don't have clarity over the result that you are selling towards, you don't have a right to put a price on it. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Yeah. No, that's so true. And, and I would also say, too, what you talked about is when you sit down with somebody – in your in your diagnosing, you know what's that real reason? And I hope you, I hope you guys heard what Phil did, right? He said, you know, and and ask and ask and ask and ask. And somebody who's looking at a coach is is all the way down the road. It's because they want to spend more time with their daughter and be involved in the community. Um, I remember once with a gentleman. I think I asked him, "What would that give you?" Um, 11 different times. And on that 11th time film, he actually broke down in tears because he actually connected all these right. results in his life. He was a, uh, he owned a large manufacturing company, but it all had to do with his kids. That's what made me think of this because if he didn't actually do some of this stuff at work, he was going to miss, um, uh, time and relationship with his grandkids that he did miss with his own kids because of how much time he put into the business. And now when everything clicks emotionally, now you're actually at this place where you can really serve them, even if they don't hire me, but I can give them this gift of actually right. getting some awareness of what it does for them, what's standing in the way, what are their own next steps forward. You know what? That develops amazing friendships and relationships. And when I operate in that mode, I never have to worry about finding clients. Completely. And the same from a sales point of view is that we need to be aligned with what the client is looking to achieve long term. That's what we're swimming that we're that we're pushing towards. And people see a sales environment as like a push pull, tussle, negotiation, hustle, any of these words that get thrown around. Whereas really, it should be a collaboration and a partnership 
that says, I understand the vision that you're trying to get to. I believe that our product, our service, our support can help you get there. And I'm prepared to follow this through to the finish line. And, mm. and that takes a very different type of person than somebody saying, I want to embellish a product or service with features and benefits, hoping one of those might stick. Right. And the, right. And the level of questioning that we should run towards is, um, John, you're a married man. I am. The day you asked the question of your wife, how certain were you that she was going to say yes? I was convinced. Yeah, like I, to 99.99. Like you were still a little nagging, a tiny little voice inside your head that said maybe, maybe. Yeah, probably. But you know what, Phil? I knew she was a smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> The reason you knew that, though, and you say that with such confidence in truth is because you'd gone through enough experience, enough questions. You were very much on the same page that the day you asked the question to close the deal, you knew the deal wasn't there with any ambiguity attached to it. This was just a matter of time. That's the exact same thing we should look to get to in a sales environment is we shouldn't be looking to pop the question too early. We should be looking to create that same level of understanding that the day you ask the question of somebody for them to move forward with the business relationship with you, you hold that same level of certainty as you would asking a question towards somebody to marry. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, because in the context of everything we've talked about, the life we wanted to create and experience, we talked about kids, you know, getting married was like the next step in this journey to this life that we'd been talking about creating together. So that's, that's why I didn't have any doubts. But that, you know, lines up with everything you, that you've been saying. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, if you try to pitch yourself on day one for why you're the man for her, that would have been ugly for everybody involved, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I, when I first met her, um, I made such a good impression. It took her took me three months to get her to date me. So, yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we it was a long road. But uh, by that point, I felt a, lo a little more confident. <laughs> but exactly what you're saying is if you really understand what the person needs, wants, like because a lot of times when selling in a in a business situation, they're saying they want something for X, Y, Z reason, but the real story they don't tell you at first. Right. You know, and, and so that's when when I'm doing coaching um, and, and sales training, I always say, you, you know, don't believe what they say the first time because right. people go into a sales environment very defensive. And so they're going to tell you things, right? So how do you, how do you train people to get through the, you know, the, the false stuff at first? Okay. So this is an environment where you've maybe got an inbound inquiry. Somebody's shown some interest in you, your product and your service, and you want to be able to get over that first step so you can start getting underneath the skin of it. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Okay. So what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to open somebody up. And we're going to start this with questions like, what is your experience being with or what do you understand about? So what is your experience being of, let, let, let's say, for example, in fact, throw any industry at me and let's play that out as an example. Any industry, any product, any service, let's play it out. Um, let's say chemical coatings, like something real industrial. Okay, chemical coatings. Wow, that's so out of left field, Sandra. <laughs> thanks, oh, Andrew, yeah. for keeping me keeping all my toes. So I, I might say to a client coming in on the first time, is you know, what is your experience of being of working with chemical coating providers in the past? Right. No, I haven't said have you or do you. It's what's your experience been? Now what happens is the other person has to start to color out the lines and start to be able to plug in some of the gaps. I'm going to listen. I'm going to nod. I'm going to smile. I'm going to say, uh-huh, 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 right, yeah, right, wow, really? And let them paint that picture out. So what mm -hmm. is it about us that makes you think that we might be the right kind of people to be able to partner with to help you with your chemical coating needs? Now what have I done? I've completely reversed the sale. Well, what I understand about you is that you've had a good reputation for the last 35 years. And my friend down at so-and-so, he's been working with you. You come highly recommended. I don't know if you might know, et cetera, et cetera. So now that's painted this all out. Now you've come to me with a requirement for this electroplating type product over here. Um, how certain are you that that's the right one for you? Or would you perhaps be open-minded to look at some alternatives too? Love well, it. I'm pretty certain. Well, why don't you tell me this? What are you looking to use it for? How many? For how often? For how long? What do you want it to be able to deliver for you long term? And all we're going to be doing is we're going to keep unpacking this 
to a point that we gain some level of certainty. However, the risk that comes here is you can take something and grow it 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 to a point that you've got no way of ever being able to close it. Mm. So what we then need to be able to do is once we've gone big picture in terms of understanding, mm. let's zip back and understand people's decision making process. So here was what I might say after we've unpacked it all out. So it sounds to me like there's some opportunity that we could do a lot of business together to which they're going to be in agreement with. And we can help you with a number of different areas of your business. I'd also imagine it's unlikely that you're going to give us that level of commitment at this moment in time without at least having experienced maybe a smaller transaction first. Would that be fair? And they'd say, well, yeah, sure. So let's come back around full circle. What you were looking for was a product in order to be able to do the electroplating. You've said to me that you've got about 300 units that require that for. And based on what we've talked about, that means that you're going to need somewhere in the region of 150 tubs, pots, whatnots, whatever we might call them, mm -hmm. of, that, of that product. Our price is favorable on those. 150 units will be available at this kind of price. I'll kick that across to you on an email today. In terms of delivery for that first order, would Tuesday suit you or Thursday suit you next week? Which one's better? So yeah. what we do is we go big, 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 big. We prove great understanding. And then we understand that people make decisions one step at a time. So we ask for the first step of the decision. And that first step of the decision is so important in every industry. We take the wedding dress scenario. You're never going to buy a wedding dress on a hanger, right? First step needs to be, well, why don't we get you in the fitting room and you can try it on? If you were selling a couch or a piece of furniture, first step would be, well, why don't you take a sit on it? Second step mm -hmm. might be you need to pick the color and the configuration. Yet what often starts to happen is just like the marriage scenario, people ask for too much too soon. What we should be doing is we should understand what all the steps are in the decision-making process for your particular product or service, and then invite people to make those decisions one step at a time. Then the big decision is never a big decision. Just like the marriage proposal was never a big decision <clears throat> because all of the small decisions that needed to happen prior to the big question being asked had already been made. Right. It's just the natural next step. It's all we're looking to be able to create. So yep. a sales role really is a leadership role. And I think something that you've pointed out, um, a lot of, I don't want to call it typical salespeople, but you know the people that have commission breath, as John says, or the, the people that are just in it to make a buck, they don't do the follow through part. Like you said, if you're buying a wedding dress, the sale isn't finished until the big day that she wears it down the aisle and goes and to the reception and makes it all the way through. Even sadder than that, I, I think lots of salespeople that we talk about with commission breath or any of those kind of things, they aren't really like that. They think that's how they're supposed to behave and how they're supposed to be. So mm. they step into this false persona for trying to fit the mold of what a stereotypical salesperson is because that's the role they've adopted, but they never feel right, good in those clothes. Mm. They never right. feel good in that role, and they actually live out a lie which affects their inability to be able to go and do their job. And I, I get crazy frustrated about this when you see movies like the Wolf of Wall Street movie glamorizing um, what it means to be able to successfully sell. And, and you know, if that business existed in today's marketplace, well, there would be reviews everywhere that tell you never to invest with this company. And we can't be celebrating with champagne when there are people the other side of the transaction in misery losing their houses, right? That, that, that shouldn't be what we look towards as success within the world of, of salesmanship. And I, and I think if what could happen is more people could fight back with a level of authenticity and could understand that you can achieve huge sales success without being manipulative, lying, forcing people into things they don't need, then then more individuals would, would find comfort in that role and not necessarily live in, the, live in the wrong form of stereotype trying to be what they're not. Yeah, and you mm. and you mentioned it before, right? It's not getting the the deal, the sale, the contract signed, right? Because I think that's how a lot of people look at it, and they they yep. show up like, "How do I need to show up based on what I've seen or modeled or watched in a movie?" That's right, just to get that done. But if we truly take, and I know this is your heart, Phil, a sincere interest in somebody else, and, yep. and what they're dealing with, why it's important to them, what what it would give them personally or to their organization. Now you're now you're not showing up as a salesperson. You're actually showing up as somebody who's there to help them. And enough of those, when you have enough of those conversations, you will have plenty of people that actually see that next step in their success journey 
including you, because they haven't had a lot of conversations like this. They're like in a normal, rational, authentic human level. Does that yeah, make sense? That's exactly it. And most people in an employed position, all they want to do is a good job. Yeah. That, that's what they want to do is they want to do a good job and they want to be recognized and rewarded for doing a good job. The challenge is, is the model that is often created as to what a good job looks like encourages people down that wrong set of tracks. If we could, from a leadership position, remodel a good job to say, be curious, be understanding, go find out how our product or service could truly help this person, find a problem worth fixing, and then present our product or service as being the right choice for that problem that you've discovered that's worth fixing, then guess what happened? I think more kids would grow up saying, what I wanna do is to help people make decisions. You mean you wanna be a salesperson? Yeah, that's what I wanna do. Well, you know, more people need to succeed, and um, everybody out there listening, if you want to get more information, uh, Phil's website is philm, uh, m as in what, Michael? You got it. I didn't want to say m as in Mary, or like everybody says, right? That'd be a little odd. philmjones.com, and um, and uh, if you want to really equip your workforce, your team to know how to do this well at a human level, I'd really encourage you to connect and follow up with Phil. And, I, you know, I'd love... Hey, John, we lost audio on you a second. Yeah, we can't hear you. Can you hear Sorry, me? You got me? Yeah, you there you me? go. Now we can. Now you're back. But okay. it was it cut out the whole time. That's weird because uh, it was muted. Um, but I didn't touch anything, so I must maybe tap <laughs> the key. I'm gonna just put a note here to edit that. Okay, where was I? Where, so I, where was that? I would go where back. Was I babbling? Yeah, yeah. I would go back to the if you want to get in touch with you know like if you are looking for this blah blah blah. You know these are the ways, or if you need this for your company, I just start back there. All right, I'll just go from the beginning. Of that. So, so Phil, the best place for people to connect with you, learn about you, get to know you, it's at your website, right? Yep. Phil M. Jones, M as in Michael. That's right. That's my, my, old, my, that is my middle son's name, so I love the name. Phil M. Jones. And I heard you speak um, now a couple times, Phil. And if there's anybody out there listening who really wants to equip your, your team, your organization, your workforce. It's, and it's not just sales teams, but that would definitely be a focus. Um, really, just how do people to have better language to get their job done at a human letter level more efficiently, more enjoyable. So I really encourage you to connect with Phil. And Phil, I read your book, Exactly What to Say. I got to tell you, this is so wonderfully done. There's 23 kind of principles in here. And you've already been using, uh, I've noticed, uh, some of the language that you have in here. Um, and could you give, because this is a book I would love for everybody out there to get, to buy for your team, to even read as a group. But could you give a few examples of maybe just some of the the principles, some of the language that's in here? Because I think it'll people give people a really good flavor for for all this research you've done, but how to apply it. Yeah, let's give a couple of quick ones. Um, Firstly, one of the biggest reasons that people find it difficult to present an idea or an opportunity to somebody else is that they're fearful. They're typically fearful of rejection, fearful of some form of resistance. So one of the first things I looked to develop was a rejection-free opening formula. How could I present an idea to somebody where rejection is no longer an option? And that perhaps would give people more confidence to be able to introduce a new idea to somebody. If I wanted to introduce an idea to somebody, I might preface it with the words, I'm not sure if it's for you. So if I take an idea and I preface it with the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, then what happens is the little voice does a couple of little things. The little voice inside head says, um, well, firstly, I'll be the judge of that. Mm -hmm. It decides ahead of time that it's got a decision to be able to make. And the second thing that happens is curiosity is piqued. It's what is it? Like the it now becomes a thing that I want to be on the hunt for. So if I present something to you saying, I'm not sure if it's for you, naturally what you're gonna want to be able to do is to follow the conversation further. So that would be a simple way of being able to lean in. We can build on that too. Is if I asked a room of a thousand people to raise their hand to who would see themselves as open-minded, I'm pretty sure somewhere like the entire room would put their hand up and those that don't wouldn't put their hand up regardless of what I said. (laughs) 
So um, being open-minded is a characteristic and a desire that almost every rational human being would like to have. Use that fact, play towards the subconscious in individuals and bring that towards a preface to a question. And you could say, for example, how open-minded would you be to? So how open-minded would you be to maybe changing supplier and working with somebody who could provide you more support? How open-minded would you be to us working together on a coaching program to help you achieve that kind of outcome? How open-minded would you be to putting some investment into our product for your people? See, if I'm to ask the question, how open-minded would you be? You move something from a 50-50 into a 90-10 in your favor. It's almost impossible to say no to a how open-minded would you be to yeah. question. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of kind of quick wins. And if I give a third one just for fun so that people can start to be able to use something straight away is we talked earlier about motivation and it being somebody's reason to move. If you can understand somebody's motivation, then what you can do is you can get just about anybody to do just about anything. But you have to understand what it is that makes people move. People will either move towards something or away from something. And what you'll find is that more and more people will move to avoid a loss than they will for any potential gain. Yeah, significantly, right? Significantly. So what we can do is we can paint pictures in people's minds of images that they might want to move towards or move away from. These images are powerful in getting other people to be able to do stuff. See, if I wanted to say to you um, to do something, the first thing I need to get you to do is I need to get you to see yourself doing it. I wonder if you or Sandra or anybody have even said the words to yourself, I couldn't see myself doing that. It's kind of a literal thing. If you yeah. say the words, I couldn't see myself doing it, the likelihood of you doing that thing through choice still remains slim to none. If I can get you to see yourself doing it, and then what I do is invite you to do it, you think, well, I've been here before. I'm going to do this because I've seen myself doing it. Again, quite a literal thing in how the brain works. So what might I say to get somebody to see themselves doing something? I paint a picture in somebody's mind instantaneously utilizing the preface of the words, just imagine. See, just imagine six months on from now that what you're doing is you're not working on a Saturday morning. You're out with your friends and loved ones playing a part within the community. How's that going to feel to you? See, just imagine you don't make these changes. Twelve months on from now, you're still in the same slog, making the same excuses to the same people, knowing that you're internally letting those people down, knowing that you do have choices today that can allow you to work towards something that gives you the change that you're looking for. I mean, just imagine that nothing changes. Mm. You see, what happens is if I position this with a question form, preface with the words, just imagine, I haven't ever had to tell somebody what to do. What I become is a guide in the decision-making process by allowing them to see into the future and ask them to say, do you want the left door or the right door you pick? Yeah. Phil, tell me about the app and how people can, can um, engage with your app. Uh, yeah, we have a little app. What, what I've tried to do um, through all of my content is I want to make it accessible. I got a great piece of advice early in my career from a guy called Jim Rowan. Jim Rowan said the, uh, the key to greatness is to find a way to serve the many. And this means that any material that I produce, my goal is to make it as accessible as possible. So exactly what to say is a book. Um, I wrote it in the shortest big book that I possibly could because I wanted people to read it. It's a small, lightweight paperback because I wanted people to be able to carry it. We have an app that is free on the um, on the App Store that has some audio programs, some video programs in it, some podcast recordings of one-way content for advice in and around the sales process, teach people how, how to close more effectively, teach people how to open up more opportunity more effectively. The links to download that are on my website. Um, but I love making content accessible. If anybody wants to plug into my books, my goal is then not to be a wasted word. It's just the meat of what you need, and there's no stories, there's no ego. It's let's just get straight to it. And I love it. I even have some one-star reviews that are people like, where's all the science and all the research behind this? I'm like, don't worry, I did that stuff. Just here's the stuff you need. Um, <laughs> you got the engineers who are writing your reviews, huh? Yeah, absolutely. But you can't please all of the people all the time, right? That's, um, that's one thing I've learned. But it is nice to focus on pleasing more of the people more of the time. Well, you know, as we pull everything together here and, and just wrap up, Phil, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody who's been listening in? You got people all over the world, that you have people in ministry, you have people uh, in businesses, you have people that are working for the government. We have people kind of, you know, everywhere, because I don't want people to think this is just for salespeople. 
Okay, first things first is to remember that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it. Like we all have repetitive conversations. Understand what those conversations are and make sure you're ready for them. Second thing is to know the person who's in control of the conversation is the one who's asking the questions. So if you are in a conversation, you feel like you're losing ground on it. Don't think it's an answer that you need. What it is, it's a question that you need to be able to put yourself back in control. Always a question is what will be able to lead it. And the reason that questions are so powerful is that questions create conversations. Conversations lead to relationships. Relationships create opportunities and opportunities lead to decisions. Phil, can I ask you a question? So let's say somebody out there, they're in one of these modes where they're answering questions and they just realize yep. in their head, oops, I fell into this trap again and I've been talking way yep. too much. What, how would you help them kind of reframe right there and, and, and switch things back? Okay, so let me get this right. What you're asking me to be able to do here is to simply paraphrase how what you might be able to do is to reverse a question around when a question has been asked of you. Yeah, let's just say I've realized, oh my gosh, I'm I just did it. The- I just did it. <laughs> Very nice. Right? That was good, huh, Sandra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what we're doing here is, is if you're ever stuck, yeah. paraphrase and finish it with a question. So what you're looking to be able to do is to check understanding. So what you're asking me is boom, 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 boom. So what you're trying to get across to me here is so so what I understand about what you're saying is. Or what can happen is if you lose direction, you can bring it back on track. So let me get this right. I know we're talking about this other thing over here, but the reason that we're here to talk today is because of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back on track. Very good. I, I just wanted to ask you that because I know I, I've been stuck there before, and that was brilliant. And and so I'll let you continue to summarize. I think you had a, another point or two. And, and let's kind of play this out. There's a question that you know that's going to be asked of you. It's a question that's asked in 98% of conversation with a stranger. That question is, so what do you do then? Every business owner, every entrepreneur, and every social set of circumstances is going to get asked the what do you do question. What now happens is, is we think, I know this one. Sometimes you even think, I don't know this one, and you find yourself lost for words. But still, it's a question we know we're going to be asked. So what is the answer to the so what do you do question? Well, it isn't an answer, is it? It's a question. Mm -hmm. So what we could respond with, just as an example, to prove the point of the question you just asked me, is I could respond to the so what do you do question is I could respond with a statement and a question followed up. You know, I'm involved in a number of things. Would it make life easier for you if I gave you an example of the kind of things that I do? Now, everybody's going to say yes to that question. We now have permission to give an elongated story-based answer to the kind of work that we do, allowing somebody to see for themselves the type of things I'm involved in to create more opportunity and further conversation. What does that mean? It brings to another point, is that a story will always sell, whereas a fact will only tell. Mm. See, what might happen is somebody asks you, John, so what do you do? You say, I'm an executive coach. They put you in a box and decide whether they do or don't need you. Yeah. If you responded by saying, would it be okay if I gave you an example of the kind of things that I do? And they said, well, you're sure? You say, well, you know how some people find themselves looking to be able to set themselves up in a coaching, training, leadership development business, working from home in and around their family commitments. Well, through the years, what I've managed to do is to be able to find a proven system and process to help a number of people to get started in that role, not only get started, but go on to be successful so they can quit the day job. Boom, now I've got a story that sits alongside it. And whether that story is correct or incorrect, what it does do is it allows the other person to get some more color to what it is that we're doing. Which brings me to another point. The thing that makes conversation beautiful is not when you draw the lines, but when you color between the lines. So if we want to steer conversation, our goal is to be able to say it's between here and here and set some set some lines between it, it's between here and here and let the shades be colored in in between. So broader, wider questions that are fundamentally open that allow people to be able to bring bring beauty towards things. So if you note the question I asked earlier, not have you worked with us before or have you bought these kind of products before? What has your experience been with these kind of products? means that what I do is I get bigger answers. Mm. What we're on the hunt for is big answers, not small answers, mm-hmm. which means the other person does the bulk of the talking. Yeah. And we never guess. So the secret of selling is never, ever, ever embellishing the option of yes. It's destroying the option of no. What we're actually doing is going through a Sherlock Holmes style of deduction to say any reason that somebody could say no to it, let's destroy all of those. Yeah, and make sure it's a good fit. 
Right. And then if yes is the only option that's left, then yes is the only option that's left. Good news for everybody. Good news. Good stuff. Well, this is something everybody needs to get gooder at. That is very precise English language, <laughs> by the gooder. way. Yeah. Gooder at. Um, thank you. You know, Sandra, any final thoughts or questions for Phil? Well, Phil, if someone is going to start with your content, um, which book should they read first? That's a great question. Um, my Exactly series, I wrote in the order of exactly what to say, exactly how to sell, and exactly where to start. Um, the order in which you can read them in is is dependent upon exactly where you're at in your world. If you want some sprinkles to go on top of the ice cream because you want to be more effective in your day-to-day conversation, you want to be able to consume something that's sweet and beautiful and can get you to the point quickly and help you understand my work, start with exactly what to say. You'll read it in an hour. You'll learn what I'm about. You'll get some tools that you can apply. If you know you need to sell some stuff, don't necessarily like the idea of a salesper- of being a salesperson and want to wrap your head around some processes you can be more effect- effective with, then exactly how to sell is a great place to, uh, to be able to start. If you are sat there right now thinking, I'd love to start on an entrepreneurial journey, I've got a big idea that I want to bring to the market and I don't know where to start, exactly where to start is the right book to start with. So there's not a clean answer to that. It just depends on who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. If you're super stuck and can't make your mind up on where to start, I'll make it easy. Start with exactly what to say because you'll read it in an hour and it'll be an hour well spent. Perfect. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I like pointing out to every listener out there, this is not just for salespeople. It's not just for marketing people. This is not just for... Um, coaches or even business people, you can use this with your children. I got the best testimonial. The best testimonial last week was somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, I, you know, I was nervous about trying to use the book in the workplace. So I've been trying it out at home. And for two years, I've been trying to get my husband to take the trash out. And now as a result of the word choices in the book, he's been doing it every day, every week for the last three weeks or something. It's like perfect. (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. Well, because you helped her link taking out the trash to a positive emotional outcome. (laughs) I I didn't get to dig to to, to understand (laughs) what what, what she might have been uh, promising in return, but it was uh, still a beautiful testimonial. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it's your kids or it's a person at the Starbucks drive through window, if you can make the right word choices not only do you at the end you know feel better but you leave that person feeling better and having been heard i mean that's you know a lot of what you say here is listen ask the right questions and listen yeah and so you know what what a, a great way to just walk around in your daily life absolutely absolutely but guys it's been a joy being on the show thank you for inviting me um hopefully the the listeners have got some value from our conversation today yes i'm sure they'll be plugging in everybody go at philmjones.com and you plug it in uh, also to our website thank you phil this was awesome and you know when um exactly where to start when that comes out we'd love to have you come back on and have that conversation because uh, we didn't even get even get to dig into some of the things you've accomplished, which are just awesome. <laughs> All right, Thanks. buddy. Have a great one. Will do. 